everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. It's Derby Week in North London as Arsenal get set to travel to Wembley uh, to take on Tottenham Hotspur in what is going to prove to be a crucial, crucial game uh, for the top four. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan in the hot seat for this podcast and we're joined by Connor Mummery, uh, social editor. You alright, Connor? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having Good. me. Uh, we're joined by Tom Bristow. Hi. And we're joined on the line by uh, the Daily Mirror's chief football writer, John Cross. Crossy, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Nice to be with you guys. No, good. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll crack straight on. I say we'll go on to uh, all the Premier League action uh, a bit later in the show, but we'll, we want to talk the North London derby. Um, Crossy, I will come to you first. Um, Arsenal um, very much seems like they've turned a the corner. Um, the late January business seems to have given them a new lease of life. Are you uh, uh, quite optimistic now for Arsenal's chances going forward? Well, I think it is interesting that basically or the perception has changed, isn't it, really? But I do think rather than turning a corner, I think the mood has changed in that basically, I still don't know quite how you could go from being so bad as Arsenal were against Swansea. Um, I mean, particularly sort of defensively, where all their frailties were shown up until four days later, then they absolutely blitzed Everton, particularly in the first half, uh, when they, they, they were absolutely, you know, magnificent um, and played brilliantly. Um, and, and they were great going forward. And, and, and the signings that they achieved, I think, in the January window is responsible for that, particularly with Mkhitaryan, who I think has probably uh, softened the blow of, of losing Alexis Sanchez. And he is a player that Wenger's really liked for a long, long time. And then also, I guess, the, the, the real uh, superstar signing, as far, as far as the fans are concerned, um, what was... Um, uh, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who has given them just a, I think just a real uh, bit of X factor some pace and some movement up front I still think it's a great shame they didn't do a defender but I do think that that's, that's the issue for me I don't know whether it's completely a game changer for Arsenal in terms of this season but it just has lifted that mood and I do think if you're looking for a huge game like the North London derby then you just want to feel so much better about it feel so much more confident and you can see that, I think, in the way that sort of I've been at Arsene Wenger's press conference this morning, the way that Arsene Wenger conducts himself. I think there's a buzz around the sort of the dressing room. I think the uncertainty and bitterness of Alexis Sanchez has been removed and the kind of a brighter, more optimistic feel amongst the players and the squad going into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Connor, I won't, I won't come to you for this one just yet because uh, we all know full well you're a Tottenham fan and we know you'll be maybe slightly biased. Tom, Um as soon as you're neutral in this game, do you have more of a kind of belief about Arsenal? Do you feel that Arsenal are stronger now than they were, say, two weeks ago? I don't think there's any question in that. I think they've the work they did in the transfer window was brilliant. Um, Alexis Sanchez clearly wanted to leave, and and the fact that they got Mkhitaryan in return for that was brilliant. Obviously, uh, Aubameyang was a, was a fantastic signing. My worry for Arsenal is still their defence. I think Everton were. You know, as well as Arsenal played, Everton were a very sorry-looking team. Um, the they, other, the, they, they were atrocious, weren't they? Yeah, they, <laughs> the other day. Um, and I just, I'm not sure whether this Spurs test has come a little too soon for this sort of new look Arsenal side. Um, it's going to be a tough test for them. Um, I think the remainder of Arsenal season, I'm not sure if people would agree with this, is going to be having to outscore their opponents, much like Liverpool did when they nearly won the league a few years back. Um, because I still I still do worry about their defence. Yeah, uh, Connor, as, as as a Spurs fan, are you slightly more worried about Arsenal now than you would have been, say, a, a few weeks ago? Well, yeah, I think 
I think that the confidence among the Spurs fans is slightly lower than it was for the for the game earlier in the season. I know Spurs ended up losing this, but I think watching watching uh, Arsenal's new front line last weekend, I think it has uh, put the shivers up up Tottenham fans quite a bit. But I think I think they are optimistic overall because I mean since the since the opening couple of weeks, they're undefeated at Wembley. They've all the big games, all the big teams that have come to Wembley have uh, sort of gone home with the tail between their legs. So I think. There is a degree of confidence, but as it's a derby, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the nerves are still there. Yeah, no, as always with a derby. Um, Arsene Wenger in his press conference uh, this morning, that's Thursday morning that we're recording, um, basically kind of had a, had a few little jibes at, at Tottenham, very almost kind of subtle stuff. Uh, uh, John, you were there at that press conference, and uh, one of the, the comments that um, Wenger made was about diving, and obviously there's been this whole cheat storm with Harry Kane and Deli Alley. Um, Wenger's quote, I'll just read it out quickly for anyone who's not heard it. Um, I remember there were tremendous cases here when foreign players did it, uh, but I must say the English players have learned very quickly and they are the masters now, and that's him referring to diving. Um, also, Deli Alley got booked for diving at Anfield last week. Harry Kane got accused of diving. I personally don't think he... Never he, a dive. He, he, he never dive. A dive. Of course, the Tottenham fans says never a dive. <laughs> John, what, 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 do you, what do you make of, uh, of Wenger's comments? Is he just trying to stir something up there kind of ahead of the derby or, or is it a, a very valid point? Um, by the way, I never, ever think in a month of Sunday do I think that Harry Kane dies. That, I mean, it's ridiculous. The guy, you know, carries his hurtling a million miles an hour out at Kane, what's he supposed to do? I just thought it was a ridiculous argument for Liverpool. But anyway, but that's by the by. But I guess he has got something of a reputation rather unfairly, whereas Deli Ali, obviously, the booking suggests there is a bit of an issue there. But I, I actually think that he was, bearing in mind a couple of weeks ago, there was a little bit of toing and throwing between Wenger and, and um, Pochettino. I actually think that, that uh, over, over basically Wenger's claim that sometimes the media celebrate, as he said, um, the achievements of some clubs who haven't won trophies for, for, for years as compared to being critical of Arsenal who have won three FA Cups in four years. And I think basically that riled a bit both parties. So I actually think that Wenger was trying to be extremely careful and really sort of kind of tiptoe through um, really sort of the press conference without upsetting anyone. And actually, I think what he was trying to do more than kind of rile Tottenham and Pochettino was actually put down a marker, I think, for the referee. I think the referee's Andrew Taylor this weekend. And um, I think he was just trying to put it out there, trying to be a little bit maybe clever, just put it out there for a discussion about um, about diving and about an issue. Arsenal have had, obviously, their own issues, haven't they? You know, no one will ever let them forget sort of Eduardo in, in that game against um, Celtic all those years ago, Robert Perez, you know, and sort of the invincible season. People still refer to that. And I think the tide, I think as he sees it, and he was making a general point about English players, I do feel that sometimes in this country that we're so quick to criticise, aren't we, sort of foreign players, and we still have that kind of, in a way, and I'm talking generally here, sort of little Englander approach, whereas actually I think that kind of time and again, it's some of the English players who have kind of gained in recent seasons that, that sort of reputation's going down a bit easy, whether it's sort of kind of Delhi Alley or or kind of, you know, a few years ago, it was Andy Johnson, if you remember that, at Crystal Palace. It's kind of the, the, the sort of the marked men tend to be English these days, which I think is a bit of a sorry reflection on, on sort of some of the English players. But I don't think he was trying to rile it up, but probably in doing so, probably has. So I don't know what sort of response he might get in return, sort of, you know, as, as Pochettino prepares to hit the ball back over the fence a bit later. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um 
do we expect a a, a, a feisty derby? I mean, uh, Tom, the, the last time they, they they played early in the season, it finished. It was two 0 to Arsenal, I think. Yeah. And it it just didn't seem like it was feisty. But normally, it's a, a real feisty game. Do you reckon with comments like this, you know, we can expect maybe a few a few meaty tackles in this game? I think so. Yeah, I think um, in, in particular it's Deli Ali. I think he's he's got it in his game to to put in a few tackles, put it about, um, and. I think Arsenal will be looking to uh, to go to Wembley and make a bit of a statement. And uh, they're going to go there. They're going to uh, put themselves about. And I, I think Tottenham won't like that. And I think they'll equally try and match that sort of ferocity that comes into the game. So yeah, and I, I for one, as a neutral, I would prefer to see that. You know, the clashes of old. You know, the yellow cards, the red cards. That was that was brilliant for the neutral. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it. I think this uh, this game could have it. Yeah, uh, Connor. Um... Arsene Wenger said in his press conference as well about well, little things about how Wembley it almost doesn't re- it won't really feel like an away game for Arsenal simply because they've had so much success at Wembley. Um, as a Spurs fan, do you feel at home at Wembley yet, uh, or or do you feel like you'd be able to make it enough of a home venue for a derby game? Yeah, I, 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 it's never really going to feel like home, but I think throughout this season the the atmosphere that Tottenham fans have created throughout the big games. I mean. White Hart Lane, while it was superb for its atmosphere on these big games, it was only 35,000. I mean, it's it's a big difference with 80,000 odd Spurs fans. I mean, I think some of the big teams have struggled with that. I mean, especially United. I think Arsenal have got a superb record at Wembley, but I mean, I don't know if they've pl- they haven't played there when it's been, you know, 80,000 opposition fans. I, I do think that will play quite a big effect because Spurs like to start fast at home, and when they do, the crowd does really get up at Wembley. Uh, John, do you think Wembley at all will be uh, a factor? Will it will it benefit Arsenal as maybe Wenger suggests it might do? Yeah, I, I do actually think that that Arsenal's record at Wembley has been fantastic in in, in sort of recent games, isn't it? Now I think it's in the you know, nine games now, and they've had this amazing run. Um, it's obviously been semi-finals or, or cup finals, and now it's a different game. I don't think anyone gave and probably understandably gave Arsenal a prayer. When, when they beat Spurs in October. And I still think that, that basically Spurs will be favourites for that. I, I genuinely think that Spurs at this moment in time are a better... I think that's become sort of clear. I think that Arsenal need to strengthen in key areas um, as much as anything. Um, but I, I do think that Wembley might just have the effect of, of really sort of raising Arsenal's sort of hopes and confidence. It won't feel like the intimidating away ground that White Hart Lane was. White Hart Lane was always one of my favourite grounds uh, to go to. And, and the, the North London derby at White Hart Lane, I thought was my favourite fixture in any season. It's absolutely fantastic. But it could be intimidating. Whereas I think Wembley will have a different uh, feel about it in that actually it might raise sort of Arsenal's game and might raise the, the occasion for, for them. So... In a way, I think that's probably the factor as to why Spurs some of their, their results at home, particularly earlier in the season, weren't that, weren't that great. Yeah, no. I uh, say, so, John, before we go, I say we're, we're going to let you go in the next kind of uh, few minutes. Um, just quickly, how how do you think the game's going to go? Are you expecting Arsenal to kind of build on the Everton uh, performance, uh, or, or do you expect Spurs? Bear in mind, Spurs are, are undefeated since they uh, they had that thrashing by Manchester City in December. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't feel like they've had much momentum, but they are undefeated in that period. So Spurs have been have been doing quite well. Uh, John, how how do you expect the game to go on on Saturday? I I still think that Spurs will probably win. I think it's a, an absolute must win game for Arsenal, and maybe that sort of kind of puts the pressure on a little bit. Um, 
I feel that that Spurs really are still a better team. I mean, you know, there'll be lots of talk about kind of I don't know combined 11s and how many players get in and all that sort of stuff. I still think the majority of Spurs, you know, that that combined 11, if it was ever sort of any more than the sort of just being a fantasy, would be made up of Spurs um, players. And I still feel that sort of, you know, Spurs have got a long way to go, sort of conversely, though, about sort of before they can talk about a power shift. Because, you know, I think Arsenal obviously sort of being ruled North London for the best part of 21 years, and Spurs have finished above them once. But what I think has happened is that you are seeing a power shift in front of your eyes. And I think that sort of kind of, you know, Spurs are moving that, that change and we are getting a change in momentum. It's got a little way to come yet. And I think Spurs will probably need to win a trophy to convince people that, that it's sort of completely is underway and, and, and is happening. Um, but I do think it will be a barometer of where we're at on, on Saturday because bearing in mind that our, this is such a big game for Arsenal because they're four points behind already. They have to win, I think, to make up that ground. Bearing in mind we are running out of games. Arsenal cannot afford to fall seven points behind, I, I don't think, Tottenham in fifth and also sort of kind of the chances of, of getting into the top four. So I think bearing all that in mind, it's such a big, big game for Arsenal. I wonder whether it's kind of almost make them feel as if it's a game they can't lose and will end up with a draw. But my feeling is that that Spurs will win win the game. I thought it was interesting watching the the Newport County game on Wednesday night, that that basically Spurs rested the majority of their players, although Son has obviously made himself a mainstay in recent times and he played the majority of that and played well. Um, But I just feel as if that Spurs will have a little bit too much um, for, for Arsenal. I do think they are the better side right now and I do think they are on the up and up. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would sort of hedge towards the Spurs victory. Yeah, um, Connor and Thomas said, well, we'll come back to the Arsenal-Spurs game uh, a little later on. I say, John, just very quickly before you go, I want to touch um, on another London team who's in a bit of a situation. Chelsea um, obviously had a hammering by Watford um, on Monday. Um, they play this coming Monday again against West Brom. Uh, can you just give us any update at all on the Antonio Conte situation? Is he um, is he on the brink, or are Chelsea gonna? Uh, I don't know. Are they are they gonna persist with this one there? Because it's. Uh, I mean, things aren't going well for them, are they? They're not. No. Well, any other club, I think you kind of have a real sort of strong feel. <clears throat> excuse me. Either way, but what was interesting to me was that I felt that that, that sort of Conte was always vulnerable, even before that Watford game. But what has been the saving grace is that basically they're still in the top four. And while they are on course to finish in the top four, I think they'll stick with him. But what really sort of interested me was that basically after the game on Monday night, Conte spoke in such impassioned, such emotional um, and, and strange tones. It was almost as if he was inviting the sack, I felt. And I felt that that, that was what made me believe that on Tuesday we might see um, Conte actually go. Um, the club, even on the night, were insistent that basically they were going to stick with Conte and nothing has changed. And again, they sort of kind of repeated that message um, on, on Tuesday, you know, albeit unofficially sort of thing, really. But they're, they're adamant that basically Conte, it, it, you know, is in the last scene of the Champions League, on course of the top four, they're still in the FA Cup. So why would they make this change now? And, and that they are behind the manager albeit I guess most people assume that basically he will be gone at the end of the season. He's just heading that that way. But I, I think he'll be in charge. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put my life on it beyond beyond West Brom at this point in time because West Brom are bottom. I mean, if they lose that game, 
I mean, it's such a you know, it's such a turning point again that you feel anything is possible with Chelsea, bearing in mind their record with managers and hiring and firing managers. But I, I, I think being sensible, they should stick with him because they've got then got the, the the cup game with Hull, they've got the Champions League game with with, with Barcelona. What an occasion that'll be! And I just think they they should let him see it out and allow him to kind of um, get get his act together, try and regroup, try and get an improvement from the players. But I do actually think that sort of Conte is in danger. But while he's got, I think, the top four and finishing in the top four within his grasp, I think they'll stick with him. John, can I just ask, what's your view on, on the managers, obviously, that have won the Premier League and then struggled the next season? We saw it with Jose Mourinho, we then saw Claudio Ranieri, and now we're seeing it with Antonio Conte. Are, are, the, are the managers getting complacent or are the players getting complacent after they've won the league? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point in that basically it's so strange to, to fathom it out, isn't it? Because even it happened with Ranieri. I mean, you know, how can that possibly happen when Ranieri is responsible for, for, for the greatest story, I think, that the Premier League has ever told? And w- w- within a year, he's then been sacked. I mean, it just defies belief. But I do feel w- w- with the managers, it, it's more about, I think the question has to be whether they can improve upon the squads. Because I think if you don't, I think unless you make really dramatic signings, it's almost like to stand still in the Premier League is to go backwards. I think the pressure was greater, I think, on Mourinho's sort of second season, if you like, after winning the title and it all unravelled. And I think Mourinho, you know, wasn't happy and he kind of brought about his own his own downfall. I think this season was even more difficult for, for Conte because I think Conte felt that he performed something of a miracle himself to win the title with, with that group of players and with that squad and that basically he overachieved dramatically and that they didn't have enough players I don't think then to sort of kind of compete had they been in Europe and indeed once they once they won the title and were in Europe he didn't feel that there was enough depth or enough quality and when you start I think calling out players like that like he did so publicly I think the existing players who you are effectively saying are not good enough will get cheesed off and I think he's then sort of invited, a, you know, a, a difficult dressing room to sort of gather around him. And I think that's that's part of the issue. I love Conte. I love his enthusiasm. And I love his kind of touchline histrionics. I think we all fell in love with him, you know, as Chelsea won the title. And I even think that that's gone. You know, it's so noticeable that he seems subdued on the touchline. And I just think he, he he's lost his enthusiasm. I think he wanted more power in the transfer market. I think he wanted more players. And, and better quality and sort of proven players. He, he he doesn't care really about whether they've got a sell-on value or what age they are. He just wants the players for here and now. And I think he was frustrated on all those counts. And I think Chelsea have ended up with a squad which which pulled off a miracle to win the title, but also did it without European football. And now that squad has been stretched. He didn't get the reinforcements that he needs. And I think that's the, that's the curse almost. And I think Chelsea expected him to go and challenge and try and defend the title again. And I think Conte's probably right. That was never going to happen. So I do think, you know, it's a bizarre run. But I think every individual sort of case w- w- was unique. And I do think that the, with Conte, he was just on a hide into nothing after overachieving. Yeah. Uh, John, so we know we got you, but you've got a busy day. So uh, we'll let you get off now. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks, John. No, Cheers, thanks John. so much. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. John Cross there joining us uh, for the well, say for the first half or well, a bit more than half actually now uh, first half of this podcast. I really appreciate him coming on. Interesting what he said there about Conte um, because he 
he effectively said um, he's lost his enthusiasm. Is this exactly what Mourinho did? did? Have we noticed from Mourinho when he was at, kind of struggling at Chelsea, he seemed to lose his quirkiness in interviews, didn't he? Is it is it almost like the same person, the same situation happening all over again? I think it's slightly different. I think with Jose Mourinho, the start of that season was was it started very poorly. I think the whole Eva Canario situation didn't help. Obviously, public hitting out at the physio, which I think a lot of Chelsea players, you know, seem to not like. Obviously, we don't know the ins and outs, and then obviously the whole legal core battle, which went on about. So I think that was a, that was a, a huge obstacle at, at the very start of the season, and it just seemed to go down from there. And I think sometimes when you're you're stuck in a a rut, it's it's hard to get out, especially when you're looking at the manager and he's hitting out other people left, right, and centre. So I think that, I think that was slightly different in that sense. I also think one of the one of the differences is. Um, what you saw with Mourinho when he, in his last months at Chelsea, you saw players really, really drop off, and it almost seemed to seem as if they stopped trying. And then once he'd left, they were back on it. But I don't think that's really happened. Uh, I don't think Conte's lost a dressing room in the same sense. I mean, look at Hazard in that season uh, that Mourinho got sacked. His performance levels just went off a cliff. But this, you can't say the same that this season. He's, he's still been fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting times at Chelsea uh, for Antonio Conte. Um It'd be really interesting to see if he does see out the season. Like I uh, say, John seems to think that he, he probably will be there, but there seems to be growing pressure on him, uh, obviously, if the results go, uh, go wrong. I saw, saw an interesting stat the other day. Um, the last oh, sorry, two Chelsea managers in recent time, I, I one was Andre Villas-Boas, I can't remember the other one, but they both got sacked after losing to West Brom. <laughs> yeah, that's so, quite often, yeah. Uh, so lose to West Brom on Monday, and it could be it could be Curtis. It could be the, the sign. Um, moving on from Chelsea, um, Riyad Mahrez has been in the news uh, this week. Um, well, he's been in the news because he's done absolutely nothing. Quite literally, he's not not been at training. He's not been to matches. He's just thrown an absolute wobbler uh, because he didn't get his move to Manchester City on deadline day. Um, Mahrez, is he is he right to kind of throw his toys out the pram like that? Is he and and kind of make a point so clear or, or is he actually just damaging his himself in the in the long term? I think he is. I think we saw the, the story last night uh, from our paper that, that it's, it's actually put City off making a fresh move for him in the summer because they've seen what, what can happen when when things aren't going his way. And um, I think another cross story uh, that came out today was that Leicester actually promised it could go in January if his asking price was met, uh, which it was by Manchester City and then some, I think we could say. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. And... You know he he hasn't got his move, so he's 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 not going to be he's not going to be happy. But I don't think going on strikes the right thing, to be honest. Uh, it would also be very strange for him to play against Manchester City this weekend, which it doesn't look like he will be. Yeah, yeah, it's right. He's not the first player to go on strike. Though Carlos Tevez did it. Yeah, uh, yeah, Carl, yeah, Carlos Tevez did it, and he did it quite spectacularly. The first time he was spotted, he was playing golf. Playing golf in Argentina. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, mm. Which yeah, I was quite jealous of. It looks quite a nice one. Let's golf. not forget about Peter Odenwingi as well, who, <laughs> who drove himself. Uh, I think there's a difference though between those sort of players and the Coutinho's and Sanchez's that did get moves. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the, this transfer window. I think that it was very clear they wanted to leave. Yet they still maintained a level of professionalism where they played week in week out where they could. And, and and perform brilliantly at that at that rate as well, um, which is more an incentive for those clubs wanting them to buy them. Yeah. Well, what, it, what we don't know what would have happened with Coutinho and Sanchez is if their, their attitudes remain the same if they didn't get sold in January, which is obviously they were part of the summer sagas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in August, like Mares was, they both got their moves in the winter, and Mares didn't. I think it's a big difference. It was interesting with Mares in the in the summer. Obviously, he 
he was linked again with uh, a move in the summer. Uh, didn't get his move because he had handed in a transfer request and everything, but, but he got on with it in the summer. He went to training mm-hmm. fine. He played in matches. And to be honest, he was excellent first half of the season. As much as maybe Leicester struggled under Craig Shakespeare at first, he was still clearly the standout man. So it's interesting to see how suddenly now his, his mentality has changed. And when under Claude Puella, I feel like it's a manager he probably had a little bit more kind of faith faith with. So interesting to see how that develops. Uh, Leicester faced Manchester City this weekend. Uh, that's the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. Um, have Leicester got a chance? I mean, look at how City played against Burnley uh, last week. A little bit lethargic. They looked exhausted. City have had most of this week off as well. Most of the players have been jetted around the world on holidays. Um, did, did the Leicester maybe have a sniff of, of, of catching City here? Uh, kind of on, on the hop a little bit? I think Leicester have played brilliantly under since Claude Cool has come in. Um, but that's partly down to because Mahrez has been playing so well as well. So I think I think he will be a huge miss because the way he links up with Jamie Vardy, I think, is sensational. Those two get on brilliantly. And Vardy's been scoring a few goals recently as well and, and performed well this season. Um it's a tough ask to beat City, given the you know, the way they played this season. Uh a draw maybe. I I can't see a Leicester win. Yeah. Can, okay. can you make any case for Leicester? Uh, I think you can always. Is it the King Power? Uh, it's, at, it's at the Etihad. Yeah. Is it the Etihad? It's at the Etihad. Uh, absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, other Saturday fixtures, obviously we start with the Northland derby, which we're going to go back and talk to, talking about again at the end of this this podcast. But you've got Everton against Crystal Palace. Um, just quickly, um, Big Sam's really struggling, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean... I th- I think they've been all right at home. I mean, they obviously had that win over Leicester uh, last weekend. Walcott scoring a brace uh, on his on his debut. Yeah. But then, I just, I just, I'm away to the big size. You look at their performances at, at Tottenham and Arsenal, and they've lost four nil and five one respectively. Yeah, and barely had a shot in them games th- as well. Also, I think Big Sam's already sort of written off this season. He said that you, what what does that tell the fans and the players? I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't really have much hope for them uh, between now and May, especially when Sam Allardyce is. Very much a one-season manager. Anyway, I can't remember the last time he lasted more than a season. Yeah. Uh, but he was it will have been West Ham. Uh, but, ninety minutes with England, didn't he? So. Yeah, literally ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah so there's uh, Everton take uh, home to Crystal Palace, which uh, kind of an intriguing game. Uh, Stoke against Brighton on Saturday. Uh, Swansea against Burnley. Uh, Swansea obviously much improved recently. Uh, West Ham against Watford as well as the mid. Patrice Evra's debut. Yeah, Patrice Evra. Uh, good signing. Good signing, uh, or, or, or is, he, is he maybe more trouble than he's worth? He's great on his. I don't, think, I don't, think, so he, I don't think he's necessarily trouble. Obviously, what happened in Marseille wasn't uh, ideal yeah. <laughs> for anyone, yeah. um, especially the fan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially him. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's a bit of a. I think it's just one of those freebie signs that they've, they've sort of taken the opportunity to uh, to get. They got Zabaleta, didn't they? Obviously in the summer, who, who again is a fullback that's getting on. I don't think he's particularly impressed. It's just it's a bit of an odd signing. I don't really see why they've done it. I don't think they need anyone. There. I don't think they would have uh, without this Masawaku uh, ban. But yeah, that's a good point. It appears to have forced the hand. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um... On to Sunday, uh, Huddersfield against Bournemouth at midday. You know, the big one, the one we're all waiting for. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah can't wait. Uh, is that on TV? Is it on TV? I don't even know. What time, what time I, I, assume if it's, I assume if it's 12 midday, it probably is on. Oh, the three, on, the three games on Sunday? Yeah, three, three yeah, games. Yeah, I imagine it will be, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll be uh, tuning in. Getting, in, getting out of bed for that oh, one. Yeah, um, yeah uh, then we go on to Newcastle versus Manchester United. 
Um, what's the aim for United now this season? Obviously, they've, they've got Sanchez. They're, they're strong, but they're probably not going to catch City. No, I think Mourinho's already admitted that. To be honest, I think yeah. he said, uh, you know, we've been second. Or, or is that mind games? Is, is that mind games? No, though? Because he no. sneaky thinks. I don't think you. I think you need a lot more than mind games to catch City. Uh, I do think Mourinho knows that, that, that that's not on. I think that, I do think they'll probably go on to solidify second. I, don't, I just think with that attack, there's nowhere they won't. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't give Newcastle much of a chance to be honest. Yeah, um, Tom, uh, United. What, what what should they be be aiming for now? Is it solidifying second place? Uh, yeah, obviously the top four is very important, but I think it's it's also key for them to build up momentum and uh, play well ahead of the Champions League run and the FA Cup run they've got coming in. If they can finish second and get a decent run in the Champions League and possibly win the FA Cup, that'll actually be a decent season considering they finished sixth last term. Yep. Um, also on Sunday, Southampton against Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, a funny one. A really, really funny one. I, I, I seem to say this every week, but the situation around Liverpool seems to change every week. Yeah. Uh, which Literally is, the best team to watch on TV. It was so entertaining. The, the last 10 minutes of that game against Spurs was yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. I can't imagine the emotions you were going through, yeah, um, especially the, the missed penalty. You think you were yeah. going ahead, and then them going and scoring down the other end. I mean, that was inevitable. And then back down Salah the other. squeezing through those defenders. My, yeah. my word. Yeah. yeah. Um, when Yama strike. Oh, oh outrageous! Ah, that's that's that's. I had a few that... people say it was a keeper error, which I've been absolutely. Not <laughs> what? Yeah, no, no, yeah. You wouldn't say that before. I, I mean, mainly partly because he probably wasn't fully back in position after you know flailing at that ball and getting up, and but I, I don't think anybody says uh, that. That was top corner. You, yeah, you, no I mean, way. you could be stood right in front of it, and yeah, it would exactly, hit you, yeah. and it would still go into the net yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's so powerful. Yeah. Can't um, uh, just that, that, that's my type of goal a proper 100%, thunderbolt yeah. strike uh, Asensio scored a very very similar one for Real Madrid uh, earlier this season for the first yeah, time I remember straight it, yeah, as an yeah. arrow top corner yeah very very good um, just quickly on Liverpool um, what I mean first of all what is their problem is it still the defence is, is Van Dijk not, not I think their, pro- their, well, their problem on at the weekend against Tottenham was it appeared to be tiring themselves out because they were absolutely relentless in the first half pressing Tottenham into errors all over the pitch um, but that seems to just drop off uh, after sort of 60-70 minutes yeah um, Tom um, Mo Salah actually let's just mention him he's mm. playing so well is he going to stick around with Liverpool if they kind of have all these this, keep this inconsistency uh, that's a good question um, if they if they get a top four place and, and do one Champions League possibly but there's always, I mean, there's links and reports of Real Madrid interested, understandably, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And that kind of lure is um, is always very tempting for a footballer, obviously. Um, but I, I think, yeah, you look at him, he's just, he's just signed for them. For what you look at now, a bargain, given like the, the other prices that are going around the world. Um, I think Klopp will, will reassure him that other signings will be made. I always said after Van Dijk that they still need to sign one more defender and a goalkeeper. Um, obviously, they've got the Coutinho money to play with, so it'll be interesting to see what Half they do with that. Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's obviously talks with Thomas Lamar as well, so we'll see what happens. It'll yeah. be interesting. No, it's, a, it's one of the most interesting teams. Mm. Interesting is definitely the right word with Liverpool. They are certainly interesting, very intriguing as what they're doing. Um, Monday night, Chelsea against West Brom, which obviously we've talked about already, um, but we'll go back to the big game of the weekend, the North London derby. Um, We've only got a few minutes now before, so we're going to have to end. Uh, so let's let's get some predictions. Scores, obviously, we heard what Crossy uh, said earlier. He was very much said uh, Tottenham are going to win. 
um, and he basically thinks man for man they're better. Um, Connor, I have absolutely no doubt um, that you're going to agree with that uh, and yeah. say uh, a Spurs win. Uh, yeah, who am I to disagree with uh, with John Cross? I think he knows a lot more than me. Um, as a Tottenham fan, I do I do think we'll have we'll have too much for them at Wembley, as we have for you know every big team that's came came here uh, apart from Chelsea second game of the season. But I think we'll learn from our mistakes in that one. Um, I mean, Tottenham fans were very nervous before the United game. So, you know, you look at that front line: Lukaku, Sanchez, Martial. Uh, obviously the same when Real Madrid came, but we just don't seem to let them play. I mean, we were relentless from literally the first whistle in you know, 10 seconds. Can't see that happening again. But, um, I mean, this is the first time this season that uh, Pochettino's got a fully fit squad, everyone in training. Lucas Moura uh, debut? Possibly. I, c- I can see him coming off the bench. Can't see him starting yet. Um, but told Toby Alderweireld coming back. Played, played 90 minutes Huge against Newport. Boost. That's massive for Tottenham. I mean, Davinson Sanchez has been fantastic. He's had a few shaky moments like he did at Liverpool. Um, but I think Alderweire are coming back. I mean, they've had the last, the best defence in the Premier League the two seasons that he's been at Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, just very quickly on Tottenham. I mean, God forbid it happening because with the World Cup this summer, but if Harry Kane was to get injured and miss the rest of the season, are you, do, do you maybe then become a bit worried for, for Spurs? Because we saw how Fernando Llorente performed against Newport. Yeah. He literally couldn't have had three better chances he's not been great to score and yeah. he somehow just yeah. couldn't couldn't finish it and he's your one other your one other striker are uh, you are, are you concerned that if something was to happen for Kane with Kane Spurs then maybe will, won't make the top four uh oh well Tottenham without Harry Kane for three months last season uh he still won the golden boot Tottenham finished second I think they won I think he missed nine Premier League games Tottenham won eight of them uh Son was was the man who played up top uh, in that, other than Vincent Janssen, uh, who's doing terribly at Fenerbahce, <laughs> which is no surprise to Tottenham fans. Um, obviously, it'll be a huge blow, but I, I, I don't think our performance levels would necessarily drop off. Um, also, fingers crossed it won't happen. So that's yeah, not yeah, that's no, no, absolutely, fingers crossed I it think, won't happen. I think Son up top with. Mora coming in on on the left in his position. I think that's what would I don't yeah. think we'd see Juventus start Premier League games. No, no, I, I think that's probably for the better. Having watched that that, that yes, game yeah, uh, against Newport, uh, Tom North London derby. How yes. do you think it's going to go? I'm going to go for a thrilling two-all draw. I think uh, Obama. I, I feel like I've watched a two-all draw between the two teams. Yeah, it's happened a few times. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's always, it does seem uh, to be a high-scoring game. And yeah. it's always it's always end to end. You know, bars. Post has been hit, but uh, I think Aubameyang will bring it. Bars being hit before the game, and after, and after. Uh, There's Connor's uh, weekend plans for you. uh, (laughs) um, I think Aubameyang will bring a sense of fearlessness to the game. Um, It's the type of game that he'll relish, and I I think he'll he'll really cause havoc. Um, I mean, I know Alderweire is a great defender, but he's been out for a little while, and you know, Davinson Sanchez as well. With Newport had a rubber. Uh, as brilliant as, as Sanchez has been, I think he can probably do with a bit of a rest. As as the same with Vertonghen. I yeah, I just think I think Aubameyang is going to create, create some, some fire. Well, it's, Tottenham have already faced Aubameyang twice this season, haven't they? Come out. That's a good top, point. Come out on top both times. Yeah, that's Possibly. a. That's he a did good. score in the game at away at Dortmund, but yeah, but Spurs. He didn't have Mickey then, did he? Huh? Didn't have Mickey then, did he? We've also come up against Mkhitaryan this season, so not to get yeah. particularly scared. <laughs> All right. Game. Fair enough. Uh, myself personally, I'm well, I'm gonna just go the opposite. I think Arsenal are gonna win. Okay. Go on, I, I think Arsenal are gonna win 
Four nil. No, I'm joking, Con. I'm joking, Con. I'm joking. No, I, I, I expect it to be a, a little more narrow. One nil Arsenal. I don't know. I've just got a, a weird feeling it's going to be yeah, a bit more of a, very a, weird a bit more of a yeah. cagey. Yeah, I don't know. Just something of a, a cagey game. Um, so uh, remember me when it finishes. Arsenal, Arsenal one Arsenal defense will keep a clean sheet away at Tottenham. Yeah. Can you see what happened at Swansea? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Arsenal seem to surprise me quite oh, regularly. Right. Um, like the game where you played each other at the start of the, start of the season. Um, I think everybody expected Spurs were going to win 3-0, oh, even at the Emirates. Time. Also, I think uh, Petr Cech, mm. possibly, possibly not fit, which would be uh, Yeah. Huge, even if he is, huge, he's, he's huge still boost, been a little... Huge boost for Arsenal. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey <yeah. laughs> um, right, okay. That will do us now on this edition of the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, if you don't subscribe to us already, you can subscribe to us on Audio Boom, iTunes or Spotify. And we'd very much appreciate it if you could give us a nice, kind five-star rating. Uh, it would be very, very much appreciated. Um, we will be back next week to, again, review all Premier League Discuss action. Um, discuss whatever happens in the North London derby. Um, I won't be coming back on the Yeah, uh, OK. I, uh, let's go. I, might, I might drag you back on. But if, if we if, win, if, I'll, if I'll come the, on. I'll if, come the, if the 4-0 Arsenal happens, I might drag you back on. Okay. Um, I, I think it might be entertaining. You've got Champions League next week as well. Yeah, you may. You may away. Oh my god. Unlike what? Arsenal, who have they got? Ostersons. Brilliant. <laughs> Good luck with that, lads. But anyway, that will be us done on the Mirror Football podcast. So uh, enjoy the weekend's action, enjoy the derby, uh, enjoy the maybe inevitable sacking of Antonio Conte when they lose to West Brom on, on Monday night. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, though. Uh, but until then, uh, goodbye from us.